Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. Andy, how are you? I'm very good. Um, how about yourself? I am very well. I've had a very busy week so far, which is very exciting. Commit to six signups are going very well. Um, couple of one to ones. It's quite exciting. Exciting times. What a yes. time to be alive, as they say. <laughs> That's it, that's it, that's what it's all about. Okay, right, are you ready for a question? Let's go. I'm going away to the Lake District. You are very lucky. For, have you been to the lakes? Uh, yes. Um, where's the place that um, all the Tupperware comes from? <laughs> what? I don't know. All of the Tupperware you know the, comes from a, the Lake District. There's a Tupperware, there's a Tupperware, shop. There's a Tupperware shop on, on Edinburgh. And it's, that's where they're from. They're from Lake District. They're, they're, that's where they're all made. Right. So one shop in Edinburgh is stocked by Tupperware in the Lake District. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, all Tupperware shops is like, it's like some form of, um, it's a, some brand. Um, oh, okay. Me, I'm going to Google this because this is going to be nothing <laughs> otherwise. I went to a pencil factory in the Lake District. was very interesting. Proper random stuff in the Lake District, like it's. I know. Really, it's like like nineteen forty. It's so, it so fun. Weird. Like the first time I went, I was like, I can't remember what we were doing. I, said, I just said to my dad, "Oh, I'll just stop at like a Tesco and get it." And he's like, "There is no Tesco." And I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's pretty um, literally rural. There's nothing. Yeah, that's where Neil nice. lives. You know. Oh, is it? Is that where Neil is? Commit to six legend. That is Neil. It's it's a really nice place to be fair. Like I, yeah, that's I really why he manages it. to get in like thirty thousand steps a day because it's the most yeah. beautiful place. Yeah, but it's a little bit like Scotland in the same point where the weather can be extremely shit as well. Yeah, right? true, true. So. Okay. Anyway, slight side note. So I'm going away to the Lake District for three nights this week. For three nights this week. Yeah, that makes sense. The plan is to get fish and chips one evening, lovely, and eat out at restaurant another. How should I track this, or should I? Should I adjust my calories in the few days leading up to before I go to save some towards it? I'm conscious that I want to enjoy my time away, but I don't want to undo my hard work. Um, got two options that you could do on this one is start saving back on calories so drop your calories for the sort of three or four days beforehand and then just don't stress too much about what you have over the time you're away or try and preempt what you may be going to have while you're away so you know fish and chips will be pretty standard i thought they're not going to be obviously you're going it's going to be dependent on the size of the portion etc but mm. um yeah do you know what i don't it's, know like how much calories i'm gonna have a little google fish and chips from a chip shop calories What's your guess? Uh, oh, well, if you've got a Big Mac's like something like 500 calories, you're looking, I reckon, north for that then. Fish and chips. Thousand, the average calories. portion of chip shop fish and chips is around 840 calories. I would even suggest that that's maybe underplaying it as well. Yeah. Because what if you get, right, okay, I imagine that is, I mean, who has that without some ketchup? Maybe some mushy peas. How do you feel about mushy peas? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> just a no. <laughs> Andy's face was just like a little bit, a little bit sick in his mouth there. I could handle them. Went a bit green. Or just peas. Peas would be great. Just a little bit of green garnish. Garnish, yeah. Anyway, you're going to have some kind of, you're probably going to cover it in mayo and ketchup which is also going to add calories so let's just round that up should we just say it's a thousand calories yeah cool and then you're going out to a restaurant which we obviously don't know what you're going to have so you could go for like a quote unquote well not even healthy but lower calorie option or you could say do you know what i don't go to lake district very often it's three nights we're probably going to do a hell of a lot of walking my other meals will be spot on and I'll have fish and chips one night and I'll have a meal out the next night. I think that's fine. As long as, and the problem as always with these things is if you think of this as a failure, if you think 
um, oh, I've gone off my diet for three days, or even it's three mm-hmm. nights, it's potentially like I've gone off my diet for, for two days. That means I may as well just overeat for the rest of the time. Like that's when that's when hard work is undone, as you quote at the end. Like, I don't want all my hard work to be undone. If you get straight back on track when you get back, if you are rational about the results of having that thing, like having fish and chips, one, it's pretty high carb, two, it's very salty, which means that you will put on some weight afterwards. That's not body fat, that is just simply like water retention from glycogen and water retention from salt. So I think having a rational head about it, knowing what to expect, getting straight back on track and trust us on this. Okay. If you come back, let's say you're going away. If you come back on the Monday and you weigh yourself, you will probably be a bit heavier. If you get straight back on track, I guarantee that by the Thursday, that weight blip will have normalized. If you don't get straight back on track, then it won't like, then you probably will put on body fat yeah exactly Uh, but exactly what you said like you could save up a couple of calories a couple of calories a couple hundred calories in the days leading up to it but yeah it's in terms of your long-term progression it's a very short window that you don't need to stress about and the reason like we've been over this so many times but the reason I thought would be good to just go over it again is that I know a lot of people are having more social events are potentially going on or like having staycations or going on little vacations getting away places now and obviously we've been in lockdown so you've been like this has been a little bit of a different period of time so anyone that's just within the last couple of months started working with us it has been slightly different and you have had a hell of a lot more control so we probably haven't had to deal with these things until now so that's why we are covering that Okay, and the second part of this is I'm hoping to go to Spain for two weeks on the 11th of August. I'm going to a villa, so so we will be prepping most of the food with the family. How would you advise tracking while I'm away? I'm currently still weighing out my portion sizes, etc. Again, I'm conscious I don't. I want to enjoy it, but I don't want to undo everything. So this, well, this is quite good because this is a slightly different situation where actually if you overeat for two weeks that could be a bit of a problem so what i would say is a couple of things number one is choose your indulgences and i think that's something that we should really think about a lot of the time well like throughout the process of fat loss or even maintenance and it came up a couple of times in check-ins actually because i asked for feedback that's been the last commit six check-ins which went extremely well but i asked for feedback and a lot of people said that there were a couple of things that resonated with them. And one of them was choosing your indulgences. So it's not that you can't have something. It's that you can't have everything. So you choose yeah. what's going to bring you the most joy. If you're like, I really want to go out for tapas one night. I want to have paella one night. And I want to be able to have a glass of wine three times a week while I'm away. Like if that's what you really want to do, then those are the, thing, the things that you go out and you enjoy the rest of the time you stay roughly on track and you do not need to weigh your food. Like we've not, when was the last time you weighed your food? Or do you still weigh? Nah, nah. Even when I'm cutting at the moment, I don't start to, I don't, I don't weigh food. Um, I kind of, I think it's one of those things that you start to, you can sort of start to guesstimate by looking at stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's just more to come in with experience, but you know, if you've been weighing your food for a while, you should be able to get a rough estimate of where you're at. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, there's, it's, there's no need. And the other thing is if you're prepping your food and, and things like easy swaps that we look at, okay, let's say everyone's having rice with their chicken and veg. I don't know why your family would be having that, but you just have more veg and less rice, or you have no rice and more salad. And when it's hot, and the, the vegetables in other countries are amazing and taste amazing. Like you don't like having massive salads every day is probably a pretty good thing. Like I think if this was me and I was going away to Spain for two weeks and I wanted to keep losing weight, I would either have like to be honest, I would probably skip breakfast. This isn't essential for everyone, but I'm saying what I would do. I would skip breakfast, I'd just have a coffee, and then at lunchtime I'd have a really big salad. And then at dinner, 
I would just eat what the family was eating in mm. a controlled yeah. way and I would enjoy it. And the thing is, you've had like very little calories during the day. So you can have a bigger meal in the evening and you're definitely not going to go over your calories. That's one way to do it. But you could, I mean, you can do it so many ways. You could just have some fruit for breakfast. Oh my God, yeah. watermelon. That's a lie. I would definitely have watermelon for breakfast. Huh. Um, how would you deal with that? Is it exactly the same? Um, exactly the same. Start then. Um, don't don't overstress about having a way food. As we've said, you know, you can st- you start to get an eye, and it's actually you know what I actually find with clients that it comes quite quick. Them being able to eyeball food and kind of have a good estimate of where where that calorie wise. But yeah, similar to you, if I go on holiday, generally I'll skip breakfast. I'll have sort of um, something sort of not too massive at lunchtime and then have a, a good dinner. Um, I obviously have the bonus of not drinking alcohol, so I don't have to worry about the extra calories on that one. But as you say, you know, it's um, as you, the, the picking and choosing your indulgences is actually, that's a pretty good way of putting it. Agreed. Okay. Okay, I just want to cover this one because an, and a lot of people might, wonder this so if you're moving from commit to six to committed and you want to continue your morning routine obviously you don't need to keep adding 10 reps every week to the exercises because that would get ridiculous so and and the point is of the morning routine it's not really about the physiological side so yes you will get better at push-ups because you're doing more every morning or because you're just doing them every morning but you don't need to do more and more and more this isn't your training session this is like a psychological prompt for the day. I'm getting up, I'm starting my day with something positive. That's going to lead to better decisions throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. And actually a couple of people, this seems to always happen. So it's sign up weeks. So I'm getting a lot of questions about commit six. And one of them that keeps coming up is people saying, I'm a little bit worried about the morning and evening routine. Like I have kids and I don't know if I'll be able to fit it in. Now, I think people think it's like a two hour ritual. It will take you five to 10 minutes. And if you can't fit it in, you can't fit it in. If you're, you know, if you have to wake up and see to your kids, that's fine. A morning routine might not work for you. But what I would say is try it for a week. Like try your hardest to fit it in for a week. And if it's not beneficial to you, don't do it. That's fine. Not a problem. Yeah. Like that's not integral to the program, but it does help a hell of a lot of people. And the reason that I put it in is because I do it and it helps me. It's just building good habits, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so this is a this is a discussion point. Obviously, it's from Hannah. She's such a great mind. So, it, well, it was actually a question. So she says, what is your reading into how important the whole microbiome stuff is? It's getting a lot of attention at the moment, but I've yet to figure out if it's genuine or being overhyped. I should probably do more reading into it. I often prefer to get the thoughts of someone one step removed from the debate, i.e. someone intelligent and, and informed, but who, who is not, quote unquote, I will die on a hill for trying to convince people that, wait, sorry. I will die on this hill trying to convince everywhere, everyone, I think it meant, of this. Yep. There's essentially people that are like really for it. Um, yeah. If you're an absolute expert in something and that's your life, of course you're going to say it's the most important thing in the world. So I'm actually more interested in the microbiome expert's thoughts filtered through you versus straight from the expert. Maybe one for the podcast. How important is how important to do you think? Sorry, I don't think there's meant to be a do to. Right. How important do you think this microbiome hype is? Should we be eating more than five fruit and veg a day? with lots of variety or are the massive or are there massive diminishing returns in this area wow i'm very bad at reading i'm sorry about that um also quite timely because we have the 30 day 30 day the 30 yep. plant-based foods challenge in the group this week so we'll discuss this but before we discuss that i think this is such an interesting and important way to look at things and I'm going to do a post on this later actually but I replied to this just being like you're so right about getting experts opinions I think 
Like, I think I've always felt that and known it, but I've never known how to articulate it so concisely in the way that she did. But yeah. if you think about it, let's say you, you went to uni and you studied biology. Then you yeah. did a research assistant position in a microbiome lab. Then you're like, oh, I really enjoy this. I'm going to do a master's on something relevant. Then you get the option of doing a PhD. Great. Then you are maybe a postdoc for a couple of years. And then you start your own lab and you start writing books about it and whatever. That's like 20 odd years, potentially a bit more, of studying the gut microbiome. Yeah. You have literally like your niche is so small that it's going to be very hard. And I know because I've worked with people in a similar, like in similar positions that it's very hard to then be like, okay, but what does this mean for people right now? What should we be doing? So they might be able to say, oh yeah, in the lab when we, like I, I remember working with a PhD student who was looking at the effects of some of the fats you'd find in butter on insulin sensitivity in mice. And she did, um, she did a talk about it and there was a lot of questions, but they were all basically, should we eat butter then? And she, like, she couldn't answer it because, well, what we've shown in mice and this, and it's like a very molecular model. And I get that sometimes that's a bit of a leap, but it's, it's hard to, you get so sucked into just, oh, we showed this in this one situation in the lab that it's very hard to then translate that. And sometimes it's because it's not ready to be translated, but I, I also think that, you know, if you had been working on something like the gut microbiome your, your whole life, you're obviously going to think that it's so important. Otherwise, why would you have spent your life dedicated to it? Yeah, and we, we, discussed, we discussed this regularly about everything, like about hedging yourself into one camp and sort of riding on that coattails until it can't go any further. But in actual fact, as we all know, there's like so many different ways to skin a cat. Like you the best coaches are the ones that sit in the middle and work at what's best for their client, not try to force a training methodology or a, a type of a type of dieting that they think is the, the be all and end all. Um, when it comes to the sort of the microbiome stuff, like I, I think gut health, gut health's a huge thing. Um, I think that there are, I think that people probably general Joe doesn't get enough fruit and veg to be able to help their stomach turnover um and to have the sort of the to help with gut flora and stuff and to just to have healthy stomach um you know what it's like if you've eaten something that your stomach doesn't agree doesn't agree with you your stomach's going round and round in circles it feels awful you know you maybe end up spending time on the toilet but also like just even like things like there's you know, there's obviously been people looking at the effects of the sort of stomach and gut health on brain activity, etc. as well. So, but as you say, if you know, if you're hedged into that small niche, you're going to, you're going to pretty much fight to the bitter end to, mm. to. Yeah. Um, like if you, if I go points. to a CrossFit coach and I'm like, oh, I really want to get in shape. They're going to make me do CrossFit. Whereas yeah. if you come to and your eye and you say, you really want to get in shape you really enjoy circuit training and that kind of feeling. And you're actually really interested in learning to Olympic lift and stuff. We might say CrossFit coaching might be quite good for you, but we're not CrossFit. Do you know what I mean? Like we're we're very happy to be like, okay, let's sit down and talk. What's going to be best for you. I have no biases here. Like if you, if you choose to eat a vegan diet, that's fine. I will support that and like we can discuss your choices not because i want to change your mind but because i want you to be clear that it's not a healthier diet per se but if you have yeah. other reasons for doing that i will 100 percent support you to do that yeah things like that so when it comes to the gut microbiome that's it is so interesting and you're right there's things like it even affects the brain it affects so many things and it's just i don't know if we're quite there yet with understanding whether it's like cause or effect in many situations or if it's potentially both. So for example, they've done really amazing research on taking the microbiome from an obese mouse and putting it into a lean mouse and the lean mouse then becomes obese and the same happens vice versa. So if you took a lean mouse and gave it an obese mouse is 
microbiome, then that becomes obese. Did I just say the same thing twice? Anyway, back to front, that happens as well. Um, but we don't really know that, like, is your microbiome better because you're lean? Or... Yeah, why? why like well, I thought... effect, or are you lean because you have a good microbiome? Which I just find yeah, quite but, hard to believe. But also at the same point, like, you know, that thing there, that, that's all very well and good. But, you know, if you have had put that mouse's, if you'd put the lean mouse's or the, the obese mouse's microbiome into the lean mouse and they got, they got obese, surely they'd still need to be in a calorie surplus to be able to yeah, get but to the that point. point. Yeah, so the point is that the effect of that microbiome on the body systemically, it might mean yeah. that they move more, they're like they habitually right, yeah. want to move more or they want to eat less so that yeah you're right yep. i mean it doesn't bypass and i think that's a good point to make because a lot of people are like huh i can just get a poo transfer and then i'll not have to diet and you're like nothing there is nothing even when you get like um a gastric band which a lot of people think is cheating which is ridiculous it's just forcing you to eat less like you still I mean, have to eat less yeah. Or in a lot of cases, people who get, I, I used to do, when I was working the doors, there's a guy I worked with, got a gastric band and still ate the same amount of shit that he ate beforehand. So didn't lose, lose any weight. weight? Nope, lost no weight. No. Um, I'm go. guessing the gastric band can probably stretch because his stomach wasn't going Yeah, you can even so. stretch them. Yeah. Yeah. You so, but I, yeah, that's it. It's, um, but as you say, you know, the, everybody wants to be, the, the biggest problem that I think with, like in the coaching for what we do is is that everybody claims to be an expert like the only thing that you need to be an expert on is understanding people and understanding what's going to be best for them not claiming that my diet is the only diet that's going to work or my training methodology is the only training methodology that's going to get you these results well actually no it's not that's not the case because we know we know that that is that's a that's a given um, mm. that there are so many different ways to do it and it's about sitting in the middle and working out what's best for your client so exactly love that okay so just to round up on the microbiome like as interesting as the research is, I don't know if we're there yet for certain things. And on a practical level, what is it we should be doing? We should be trying to get in a diverse range of plant-based foods. So that means fruit, veg, spices, nuts, grains, probably missed some things, legumes. But the whole point is that we want it, like the research seems to show that those who have the most diverse gut microbiome, which is beneficial for us, eat more than 30 different plant-based foods a week or plant foods a week so that's sort of the goal and initially when I did this I think I did this about a year ago and I was like there's no way I eat like anywhere near that but actually you you, you kind of do like because I think I was thinking 30 different fruit and veg I didn't even think I could name that off the top of my head but then when you think oh it's like all the pulses and things like that as well then you yeah yeah it's just like even stuff like spices as well you know, yeah. I'm, my, my, my spice cabinet's like rammed with stuff. Like, so dinner on Sunday, I had fenugreek, garam masala, um, cayenne pepper, onions. I had all manner of stuff. I had ginger, I had garlic. So like, if you start Wait, counting these things. That is some mix. It was, it, was a, it was butter chicken. It was Indian. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sure, I never understand like, why they call it butter chicken because it it's not butter flavor no i think it's because they use that to thicken it oh. thicken the sauce um i'm guessing that that's maybe not what it is but um yeah it's 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 pretty much just a it's like a red kurma pretty much it's quite it's quite mm. uh, mild but uh, yeah no it's uh, i think that's probably the one thing that i've um the one thing that's happened over lockdown is i've become a better chef so i can, can't complain at that well that's good I oh my god I I was gonna say I have not but I have too you know I have had I have been inundated and I mean inundated with requests for my secret recipe of what I make in my pan genuinely like so many people ask so do you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you through the recipe and it's quite simple basically what I do is I spray some one calorie spray I think it's like 
barbecue one calorie spray for some reason because that's what was in my cupboard and then I put in usually now this recipe changes quite a lot but essentially it's loads of different kinds of veg so normally it's stir fry then normally some frozen mixed veg what else olives um jalapenos some form of meat that might be chicken or it might be fish this just depends on the day and then (laughs) yeah and then sweet chili sauce and a little bit of cream cheese mix it all up if you're having a higher carb day put in some pasta if you're not no serve it obviously on a bed of iceberg lettuce done bosh bosh which is and you know what started to annoy me about people being like oh my god what's the recipe i'm like it's everything you can see in this video in a pan like that is the recipe what's this what's the recipe honestly i have no i just put stuff in it i've never followed whatever's in the fridge i just jam it in tastes pretty good yeah okay so to finish this podcast i want to go over oh i actually sorry we've got one more question allow me to find it okay so oh no wait (laughs) i have two screenshots right one of them is (laughs) someone messaged me yesterday saying like this is the level of single i've got to hello emma hope you're well and don't mind me getting in touch with you i work on a tv production company called thames and we're currently casting for the new series of bbc's eat with my ex Okay, which ex has got in touch with them? No, I think they're getting in touch with me to get in touch with my exes. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, I said you're, that no, I did, you're I never attracting think... television shows, huh? You're never attracting television shows. <laughs> yeah, I know. Big deal. Big deal here. I That's mean, I, I would say it's the wrong television shows to be attracting, but anyway. At least it's not that. What's that one where they start showing the, the person when it's like showing them their genitals? Have you seen that oh one? Oh my God, Naked Attraction. Like, imagine going on that. Like, yeah, you know this, is quite interesting. this is interesting. He's a teacher. Yeah, all your pupils have just seen your willy. I know, it's so gross. But <laughs> what's quite interesting is like people who you think would be, or people who you think would be like the ideal, often get, don't get picked. People yeah. are like, oh no, I like a bit of chub. And, and I'm like, oh, I like that. Mm, yeah. It's, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't I mean, think I've not, ever seen <laughs> Do you know what, though? I'm surprised how well that show's done because I would have thought, like, when I first heard uh, it, I was uh, like, uh, we live in a generation where folk want to see everything on social media, where they want to know your ins and outs and literally what what's hanging down below. Um, so I'm not surprised that that's gone well. You could probably do it with a bloody, you could probably do it with chimpanzees and folk would still watch it. Um, <laughs> literally, honestly. Right, okay. This may be a stupid question. It's not. But with weights, if you do three sets of 12 kettlebell squats, for example, if you have a 30 second rest between each set, does that affect your results? So basically, does resting between sets and getting your breath back affect your results um no i would <laughs> yeah. say no. no i would say yeah. i would like to look at this in two ways so no i mean if you're i mean, it could benefit your results if you're mm. doing yeah. this as like a you're doing kettlebell squats as a strength exercise and having i would probably say more than 30 seconds but having rest between your sets means that you can lift heavier or you can continue to hit your three sets of 12 at that weight without dropping your weight or dropping your form that's a benefit that's adding volume to your session that's going to create a bigger hypertrophy response if you're doing it for fitness and like it was prescribed at a very you know and you wanted to get your heart rate up and you wanted to build a lot of lactic in your muscles and the whole point was improving that buffering capacity and fitness levels, then yeah, probably taking the rest in between isn't a, a particularly good idea or taking more than given rest. Isn't a good idea. Yeah, that's it. So there's two sides to that. And I think a lot of people get confused with that a little bit. Like if they're not out of breath, they're not working hard. Which yeah, is that's not, not, the not the case at all. 
not the case at all. Okay. You've got a couple of questions on the Facebook group. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't even... I'm not on it today. Um, right. Your thoughts on green tea supplements and matcha green tea. I've seen some evidence that it helps as a slow-release caffeine. Um, so I was actually doing a wee bit of study on this prior to coming on. And from what I gather, caffeine is slowed in... This, this, the release of caffeine is slowed down by antioxidants. Um which obviously green tea and matcha claim to have lots of. Sorry, I've just seen what Hannah's posted on. Hannah's one. <laughs> right, but, sorry, um, you continue before we get to that. God, yeah, Hannah, the always green tea matcha. But actually, from what I've been from what I've been reading um, just before, actually, coffee has more antioxidants in both green tea and matcha. So we probably slow the release down of the caffeine more so than green tea and matcha and also matcha i've smelt matcha i don't drink hot drinks i don't do tea coffee love the smell of coffee don't drink it matcha smells horrific it looks gross so, as well and i think people are like tea. oh my god it's so healthy i'm like is it though <laughs> is it actually? yeah if and you've got to hold your healthy. nose yeah, huh? if you've got to hold your nose and gag to drink it it's really not i probably no. wouldn't go that far Coffee, coffee, coffee. Why can I not say that? Coffee. There you go. Coffee's healthy. There's a lot of yeah, antioxidants in it. The other thing I'm wondering, like, why do you necessarily want to slow the release of caffeine? Well, I would say that as if it's maybe something that you're maybe get having a dip later on in the day, which I always would say is, is have another coffee. If, yeah. If you start to maybe feel have like you're, split up your coffee and time your. Yeah, time your meals a bit differently to see if the energy levels stay up or um, take another coffee. Um, caffeine's, as we've previously mentioned, caffeine's, caffeine's something that's very, it's been very highly studied. It's the side effects, you know, it's sort of minimal, um, you know, and as you say, you know, simple things like not drinking caffeine too late at night because it might keep you up. But in other facts, it might not. So it's it's about trying and testing these things. Oh my god! I've just opened the link that Hannah's put on. Oh, don't don't! It is the most horrific thing but, in the world. Like I'm laughing at it, right? But it's not funny. But you're cringing at the same time because this. I'm not. I'm not even cringing. I'm just upset about it. Like, okay, say you're coming at this from basically anyone's point of view general population oh this woman has a phd she's got fifty-eight thousand followers and yeah oh she's she's a nutrition public health and dietary guidelines author researcher blogger speaker also love whales and rugby okay that's irrelevant that's irrelevant zoe but like you would follow this advice right like it's that claim to authority like why wouldn't you follow her i like on paper yeah Seems pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, so she has tweeted saying, fruit is not a natural part of the British diet. We get strawberries and raspberries in June and July, apples and pears, plums and blackberries in August to October, and not much else. It's not natural for Brits to eat fruit every day or bananas at all. Okay, it's quite funny. There's, been some, there's some quite funny, there's some quite funny um, replies to it as well. Um, genuinely, do you, know, have you, do you follow um, the botany geek, James Wong? No, he's worthwhile following. He's quite funny. Um, his his answer was, "So are chickens. Like you can't eat chickens either because they're not native to Britain either. So you better get you guys better stop eating them ASAP." So yeah, it's oh yeah. What if you know? It's one of these simple ones. Like you know, you have somebody. You know, this is the this is the sort of the difficulty of things. Oh, he's a a new scientist columnist. Oh, great. Yeah, oh, he's, he's a really smart. He's a really, really clever guy. Um, but, you know, you expect to be able to get good, solid information from people like that. But similarly to what we said about the microbiome stuff, she is obviously punting a line because she's done her PhD and whatever it is she's done. and Making just, me really she, sad. But it does, though. It's, like, it's the same thing as, like, you know, as as much as i appreciate the nhs and what they do for us like because i play sport i'm when i if i i've been to the doctors three times in the last 15 years twice was for um, knee problems 
Um, and the second one, I actually took, I was, I was really dickish with this one because I knew exactly what was coming. I had a letter from my physio to say that, yeah, uh, he's ruptured at least two of his ligaments in his knee. And I kept a hold of it until such times as the doctor went, yes, I think we should just give you some, um, some ibuprofen and send you home. And I went, I'll stop you right there, take a read of the letter, and I shall be seeing a consultant at some point. And mm. the guy read the letter and was like, oh, yes, we, well, we better get a consultant to you. And, you know, this is somebody that you're supposed to be adv- taking advice on your health from. And this, you know what? And I should never have made this judgment on him, but the guy was sitting at a desk with his stomach on top of the table. And he was like, you know, he's like, I don't like seeing people coming in with sporting injuries. Well, I'm sorry, but like, I want to be healthy and fit. Like, I'm not mm. sitting my belly on the table like you, mate. Like, it's, this is just the way, it's just the way it is. Well, that's okay, so there's an argument against that, isn't there? That yeah, if, if you're saying it's a choice that he is overweight, which I'm not particularly disputing in that case, potentially i don't know the obviously i don't know anything about it but you are also saying that it was a choice that you ruptured your knee yeah you chose to play rugby well i was football but yeah no i that's it but the choice was mine you know he made his choice i've made my choice but i shouldn't be looked down upon for no 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 but neither should someone who's overweight no, no, not that, and I, you know exactly that. I'm not going to. That's not a, a fact that needs to be disputed. That's totally. That's totally. I totally agree with that. Okay, back to um, this tweet thread because um, someone's put. Are you suggesting that Brits are significantly? Oh, sorry. Are you suggesting that Brits are sufficiently genetically distinct from other people that they ought to have a different diet? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, see that one that you there's a guy in there called the Angry Chef. He's very he's worth following as well. He's quite a good guy. Um, but yeah, that's the problem is you've got people in positions of power who General Joe look at and go, oh, they're a PhD and they're you know a dietitian or a nutritionist stuff like that, and then they spout out the most utter balls because that's pretty much what they've based their career on. Their career is what they've pigeonholed themselves into, and they can't see. You can't see the wood for the trees anymore. So, you know, rather than, because that's, that is, that's an absolutely ridiculous thing to say. But I'm with Hannah. Like, how the hell did she get a PhD? If anyone wants to know how awful some science is, you should read Bad Science by Ben Goldacre. It's a brilliant book and very eye-opening. Oh. Her, her, her PhD was a systematic review and meta-analysis of all evidence on dietary fat guidelines. So, wow. It, someone yeah. also replied in that thread, being like, "Your meta-analysis has huge flaws. Are you going to amend them?" <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, move on to the next question: Sweetener or sugar in your coffee? I get that sweetener is lower calorie, but when I recommend it to someone, they say it's unhealthy and is bad for you. What's my argument? There's your no... argument. Yeah, your argument is show me any evidence that having a sweet note in my coffee has negative health benefits. Yeah, Thank again, ju- jumping on the jumping on the people trying to sell a sell a line—that's pretty much what was came out, wasn't it? The sugar industry are going, no, sweeteners are bad for you; they cause cancer. Well, there is no evidence to prove that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't even know if it's particularly. I don't think it's like industries as such, but it's more. Like the, it's the natural fallacy, like the claim to nature, anything that is natural is better for you. And so, oh, yeah. sweeteners are artificial. And even it's because it's in the name as well, artificial sweeteners, people are like, oh, that must be bad. Yeah. It is, and that's it. It's exactly that. It's the, the food snobbery stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do you have any more? Um, Nicola had one, had some blood tests before they went into a fat loss phase and was told that I had high free testosterone. What does that mean? I think I would have to do a bit more research on this before I answer. Yeah, I, yeah, I would probably have to have a look at this as well. Um, especially, in a, especially in a fat loss phase where you would expect... Did it like say before drop. the fat loss phase? Yeah, before fat loss phase. Although on a surface level, like it wouldn't surprise me. I think, I I honestly don't think I have ever met a woman 
who responses responses responds so well to training as Nicola. Like she uh, is Nicola, Nicola and Shona. Like Shona's yeah. response to training is just she literally is the Hulk. And Nicola, yeah, but how long has Shona her... been training? She's nine years, I think. Yeah, nine years. Whereas Nicola's like three. Yeah, Nicola's like she's a she's a freak. She is a freak of nature. No, she is amazing. Freak of nature. But it wouldn't surprise me if she had quite high natural test levels. Yeah. But you'll be able to see kind of obviously the, the difference in the sort of muscle mass and stuff that she's been able mm. to put on kind of shows you that. So I would not say that that's a bad thing. Um, no, great for building muscle. Great for building muscle and especially because she wants to compete at some point. You know, you're already ahead of the game with all that. So, you know, ideal. Ideal indeed. Okay, so to finish off, I want to go over four things that, wait, one, two, three, four, that came up in final check-ins when I was asking for a bit of feedback. Just, I guess, things that really resonated with them, with people. So number one was having non-negotiables. And if anyone's like, I don't really understand what they mean, what that is, it's essentially setting yourself targets for the week that you, like it's non-negotiable that you are going to hit these things. And they have to be, you know, I help you set your non-negotiables, but they have to be quite personal as well. So you could add some on. So I might say you've got a calorie target, a protein target, a step target, and a workout target. You might also say, and I want to read for 15 minutes a day. Or, and I want to make sure I'm home early enough to put my kid in bed. Or, you know, whatever it might be, it has to be personal to you. And the other thing is, I want you to have huge respect for your non-negotiables. And by that, I mean, don't turn around and be like, I'm going to run 20 miles every morning and then not do it. Like set yourself something that's realistic. You're meant to do more. So for example, I might say, I want to get in three workouts this week. That is my non-negotiable, but I hit five. Like that, that would be great. But if you think, actually, I think I can push myself to that, then maybe your non-negotiable is five. But essentially, yeah. it's, it's, it's your process goals. So if at the end of the week, no matter what the scale says, if you have done every single one of your non-negotiables over the week, that's a big tick. Like that is a successful week. doesn't matter if the scales change, if your um, measurements have gone down, if your progress pictures look better. If you hit your process goals, that is a win of a week. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing we've kind of covered already, so I won't go into too much detail, but choosing your indulgences so that you never feel restricted and also you end up enjoying them more. Like if we take the Spain example for, for one, like if you drink every single night, it's, it just gets a bit like you don't really mega enjoy it anymore. Whereas if you're like, okay, I'm picking these nights, I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to drink on those nights and I really want to try this cocktail or this wine from this certain place, you're going to enjoy that so much more. And same with meals. Like if you're like, I really want paella. Okay, cool. Instead of having it like every night, you pick the nicest place you want to go with the best reviews of paella and you go and you really enjoy it instead of indulging all the time and it kind of takes away from it. So that's number two. Number three, imperfect action. What is your, like, what, what does that word make you feel? Like, what's your relation to it? Um, in part of perfect action is just remembering for me that, you know, it's, it's a whole process, you know, and it's like things that for me might, for, for me, this kind of stuff just means, it might not mean a lot, but it will add up to something bigger later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the law of marginal gains and exponential exactly. growth in that, yeah. you know, doing 10 push-ups every day is going to yeah. have a big well, impact later on. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously doing the EIQ nutrition course at the moment, but I got I saw one of my clients for the first time in 14 weeks last week and he released, or he published his book during lockdown. Wow. So he's a, he's a mediator who's worked with like, so he's probably, he wouldn't tell you this himself, but he's probably one of the world's 
most renowned mediators, um, but like the most down-to-earth guy in the world. So he, I've got his book to read, The Musings of a Mediator. So I'm kind of getting oh, through that. Nice. And I'm quite so it's just, it's kind of taking me away from fitness and it's taking me away from the stuff that I'm used to. And it's hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll, I've learned a lot from him in the sort of five or six years I've worked with him, um, just about life and stuff in general. And it's just those little things, you know, things that... M- from the outside people might think oh you don't need to learn that because you're you're in the fitness industry but yeah but it all relates like all of this relates all of these things like non-negotiables that doesn't have to have anything to do with fitness that could be if you're growing your business you have non-negotiables for that like i have business non-negotiables my fitness non-negotiables basically take care of themselves now like it's ingrained it's a habit i don't really have to think about it i do it every day fine my non-negotiables now are about growing my business and making sure that my clients are happy, making sure that I put out posts, making sure that I do podcasts, making sure that I'm yep. looking forward and growing and finding ways to improve. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, for me, imperfect action really instills the notion of averages as well. So, you know, even if you like, let's take step count, for example, you don't hit your steps today, but you know that it's average over the week, right? So instead of finishing getting home from work and thinking, well, I've not hit my steps, so there's not even a point going for a walk because I'll never hit 10,000. You think, okay, I'll go for a walk anyway. I've got an extra 2,000 in. That means I'm only 4,000 down today. I've hit 6,000, let's say. And tomorrow I'll try and get some more. And then on the weekend, I'll go for a big walk. That kind of mindset in in like the fact that you don't have to be perfect, like perfect is short term. No one can maintain perfect. And focusing on averages focusing on being consistently good rather than occasionally perfect and actually something that I spoke about really briefly on podcast with Shona this week but also came from Nicola is the idea that so to give it a little bit of context if you if you were giving up smoking or drinking and you have one cigarette or one glass of wine that's seen as a failure and we, which is insane, right? Let's say you've not had a drink for 10 years and you have one. Now, now you failed. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. It's almost like you're starting again. Oh, how many years have you been yeah. sober? That, and I think that is why a lot of people fail because there's so much pressure on you. And it's the same with dieting. Like as soon as someone, if you're trying to stick to a meal plan and you take one, one step off that, and you have something else you see that as a failure and like you have to start again and you're like well I'm not ready to start again now I'll binge for a couple of days then I'll start again and that never ends well so thinking about it as percentages or imperfect action like that is a much better and longer term way of thinking about it it's something I tell clients all the time is like look this isn't like don't aim for perfection if you aim for perfection you're going to be very disappointed when you don't hit a perfection aim to be slightly better day by day small steps are still progress like you know uh, just had a, a chat with a client this morning one of the one of our online clients um and he and i was like look it goes it doesn't matter how much weight you like we can't put a number on how much weight you're going to lose each week however as long as the progress is still progress you know half a pound or five pounds that's still progress coming off so look at it small steps get better try to be better get the little non-negotiables in place get your steps up do the little things you know the the extras that you can manage to do and everything will sort of tie itself up and don't stress but don't aim to be perfect nobody will ever be perfect and if they are they're putting themselves up on a pedestal to get knocked off it and that's probably the worst feeling in the world if you put yourself there to then fall down because you've got that's the hardest thing is try to get yourself back up but again that's why we're here you know if people feel that that's the case you know they've aimed too high and they've now fallen that's what coaches are here for we're here to give you that step up give you take the hand give us let's give you help so yeah yeah it's funny that you were mentioning scale weight today because i was thinking about today obviously you always get asked that question like oh how much should i be losing a week and it's very hard to say and so much nuances and all this stuff but if you take a step back again with this imperfect action, taking a step, look at averages, remembering that you are the average of your energy intake and energy expenditure over time. And then think about, let's say you met someone who lost a hundred pounds, an amazing achievement. 
and they were talking about it and you were like oh that's so brilliant you look great it's great that you're feeling healthy and stuff and then you're like so how long did it take and they were like oh two years you wouldn't be like two years not impressive although that would be you know less than a pound a week yeah cool but you've lost a hundred like if it takes you two years it takes you two years you've still lost that and and also like don't put your life on hold until you've lost that two years is going to pass anyway you may as well be improving yourself or six weeks is going to pass anyway you may as well be bettering yourself in some way okay um i think the last one was about delayed gratification and essentially how you've got to work on the process and that if you if you were just given your body, your ideal body tomorrow, you wouldn't be able to maintain it. So it's so important to understand the processes, understand the education behind it and like take your time with it, but enjoy the process. Like the commit to six group is fun. The one, like all the one-to-ones are in there as well. It's an encouraging place. It's got loads of memes. It's, you know, it's meant to be a laugh. Yeah. Loads of banter. Everyone taking the piss out of me. Like that's what it's all about. But that's what you've you, that's what you've created with the commit six. You've created a community where people are backing each other. Like you know, there's look at the number of like posts that go up about folk going, look, I'm having a bad day. I'm putting this up as accountability. Tomorrow's going to be better. You know, like things like that. That you know, little like that's that's imperfect action right there. Like you know, and then the support that comes off it. You know, I said that I put that up after because I popped into the the live room last week, and I said I just put it up afterwards and said, look, I goes like the the folk in this are um, like you know what you've created is something that's like you know look at from we, the outside. What we like, have wow. created is like is like wow, like you know the the amount of support, like the networking, you know, people sending each other gifts, books, restaurants, you know, all yeah. that. It's like you know, there are there's not many other places that there's not. That I wouldn't think there's anywhere else that does that, that that has created such a buzz in such a community. And I think it's just you know, it's you know, the people that buy into it will see the differences and the changes it will make for them because they've got the support of not only the coaches but every other person there is there to back you up and will be by your side no matter what happens yeah and everyone wants the best for each other and that's an amazing feeling when there's a whole group i told myself i told myself i wouldn't cry (gasps) oh god it's so emotional (laughs) but i think i mean it's it's showing as well because so many people are staying on for this from commit like yeah. joined committed after commit six which is amazing yeah anyway and i think it's we'll stop um gushing over the group <laughs> and we'll yes. end there you're all, awesome. all you're getting i'm going back to nasty andy as of tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah remember this remember this yeah. time when andy was the, that was the the 15th of july finishing at 1109 <laughs> you got a compliment <laughs> Right. Thanks, guys. We will speak to you next week.